and welcome to the Pediatric Anesthesia Journal's featured article of the month podcast for August 2021. These monthly podcasts are published on the journal's website, and you can also subscribe to them via iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. My name is Dr. Devnath Chatterjee, and I'm one of the journal's education editors. This month's featured article is entitled Pediatric Mediastinal Mass Algorithm, a Quality Improvement Initiative to Reduce Time from Presentation to Biopsy. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome the corresponding author of this article, Dr. Gime Tan, who is currently an Associate Professor of Anesthesiology at Children's Hospital Colorado and the University of Colorado. Welcome to this podcast and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Dr. Chatterjee, for the invitation. I am honored to get this opportunity to speak about our project and a big passion of mine. Perfect. So let's get started. The management of children with mediastinal masses requires a truly multidisciplinary approach and it poses several challenges. And for some reason, these patients all present at 4 p.m. on Fridays. You describe a quality improvement initiative to reduce the time from presentation to biopsy. What prompted you and your team to initiate this project? Thank you for asking this question. It's very interesting. We actually did not initiate this project. This was initiated by our hospital's um, cancer and blood center. They were looking for ways to improve communication while booking anesthesia for children who comes in with an anterior medial sinal mass needing diagnostic biopsy. The problem, according to them, is each time they recall anesthesia, whoever answers the phone will request for different you know, investigations and would ask for different things. You know, some days it goes smoothly, and then other days it does not. You know, from their point of view, what they want is for their patients to get a diagnosis and get it as comfortably as possible. Now, I have to say that their goals may not align exactly with anesthesia goals. We want our patients to be comfortable too, but we also want them to be safe. So, you know, we took on this project because I think it's important that we know when patients come into our operating rooms. We don't want to be surprised by patients coming in with anterior mediastinal mass. I don't know how many times previously where, you know, we get patients coming in and on the status board, it looks like something very benign. It will be listed as cervical lymph node biopsy. And then when we look and review the charts, we realize, wait, this is not just the cervical lymph node biopsy. It is more than that. It's almost like a tip of the iceberg. That makes sense. For the sake of our listeners, can you take us through the steps of your project? What were the primary and the secondary outcome measures well, for patients presenting with anterior mediastinal mass, the main aim of our project was to get to a definite diagnosis and treat them as soon as possible. Hence, our primary outcome was to reduce the time from hospital presentation to time of initial procedure. Secondary outcomes measures included reduction in time from presentation to first chemotherapy administration, and then we had balancing measures too. We looked at anesthetic complications because we wanted to make sure that 
despite us trying to expedite diagnostic procedures, we did not increase our complication rate and put our patients at increased um, risk. So you described the use of an algorithm to notify the multidisciplinary team, and it looks like there were several PDSA cycles. What were the results? Oh, thank you for asking. We are very excited with our results. The time from hospital presentation to procedural or biopsy was cut in half from 48 hours to 23 hours. We also managed to reduce the time to first chemotherapy administration, although it was not significantly reduced. The other, I think, very important clinical effect was that we were able to reduce the need for pre-diagnostic treatment when compared to before the algorithm was introduced. So that's impressive. What barriers did you encounter while implementing this project? Well, our biggest barrier was to get the different specialties to align with the goals of the project. The different specialties included oncology, who initiated the project, intensive care physicians, interventional radiologists, pediatric surgeons, and of course, our own anesthesiology department. We needed to find a champion for the course and a willingness for him or she to be contactable 24-7, 365 days a year. Once we found that person, we actually published their cell phone numbers on the algorithm. Other barriers included you know, ensuring that all relevant investigations were ordered and done as soon as the patient hits the facility. This is to facilitate our multidisciplinary team to decide on the best course to get a diagnosis, whether it be, for example, percutaneous um, biopsy or open mass biopsy or you know, pleural fluid drainage. Our department, which is anesthesia, also insisted that these procedures are done during daylight hours, if possible, where we have the most resources and that sometimes meant rearranging operating room schedules. That totally makes sense. I'm probably going a bit off topic here, but can you describe how you evaluate these patients and risk stratify them? Yes. Patients are risk stratified according to cardiorespiratory symptoms and radiographic investigations, which include CT scans and echoes. We incorporated a risk stratification table in the algorithm to set expectations for other specialties and families. Your listeners can get the information in the article. Patients with cardiorespiratory symptoms and signs or who have significant airway obstruction on CT or cardiac tamponade on echo would not undergo general anesthesia. The other important consideration is whether the patient would be cooperative for a diagnostic biopsy under sedation. So how would you perform the anesthetic for an older child who might be cooperative? If the child is low risk, we could opt for general anesthesia, even if he or she is cooperative. For the intermediate or high-risk patients, even if the child is uncooperative, we, do, we would do them under local anesthesia with or without sedation. Now, the drugs for sedation is very variable, 
And this comes down to the art of anesthesia or medicine based on the anesthesiologist's experience. I have seen my colleagues use a combination of say ketamine, midazolam, dexmedetomidine, and low, low, low doses of propofol. What about the high-risk patients who don't tolerate sedation? For these patients, we would have to discuss with our oncology colleagues regarding pre-diagnostic therapy with steroids or even radiation, or treat them with the best gas diagnosis with chemotherapy based on blood tests and CT scan reads. If all the above do not work, then we would have to regroup and come up with an alternative plan. So before we finish, any concluding remarks or next steps? We are hoping that by publishing our QI project, other facilities could modify the algorithm and use it and hopefully see the same results we did. You know, despite the advancements of medicine, patients who present with an anterior mediastinal mass still need special considerations. And again, please feel free to email me with any other queries as I'm always willing to help. Thank you so much, Gime. This has been a lovely discussion. We appreciate you taking the time to chat and we look forward to more contributions from you and your team. Thank you, Dave. And thanks to my fellow authors, especially Dr. Jamie Fleming, for the help in putting this together. So this wraps up our featured article of the month podcast for August, 2021. This article will be available for free on the journal's website soon. Follow us on Twitter on at PD Anesthesia. Please join us for next month's featured article of the month. Until then, cheers.